0: Here you're going to put poison that causes lockjaw into people's faces in the pursuit of beauty. So on its surface, it sounds kind of crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: That's exactly exactly how it sounded to them.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, then when we gave, well, I actually gave the first paper in um, in uh, at the ASDS meeting, American Society for Derm Surgery meeting in Florida, and. Um, there was a deadly silence in the room normally there's a buzz uh-huh. there's a deadly silence that was the first time i experienced that and then people came up to me afterwards and said that's a crazy idea that will go <laughs> nowhere
0: Welcome back to The Technology of Beauty, where I have the opportunity to interview the movers and shakers of the beauty business. And ladies and gentlemen, today is no exception. You're not going to believe who we're interviewing today, Dr. Gene Carruthers, right here on our show. Thank you very much, Dr. Carruthers, for joining me. Appreciate it. Um, how you doing?
1: Just great! Thank you very much, and thank you for the honor of inviting me to your show. I think it's really creative that you're doing it,
0: and I think it's really
1: important that it's done. Thank you.
0: Well, the honor is all ours, Dr. Carruthers. I appreciate it very much. Uh, Thanks for joining, and uh, let's just start at the beginning. Where are you right now?
1: Actually, I'm off at Whistler, just north of Vancouver.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: A great place in the summer for for biking. Yeah. Winter, as you know, for skiing.
0: Yes, uh, we've been there. Erin and I have been there for summer and win- winter. And I need to, first of all, tell you hello from oh, Erin. I was interviewing you yeah. today and she wanted me to give you her very best wishes and so um, forth. Thank
1: you so much. And please give mine to her. I she shall. is wonderful.
0: She is. I'm very blessed to have her in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: thank yeah, you very much. Very special. So, okay, let's start back. Let's talk about where were you born? Where did you go to school and so forth? Let's go right to the beginning.
1: Oh my goodness! Well, I was my parents were immigrants to Canada from England okay. after World War II, so I was born. Uh, they first of all landed in the prairies. I was born in Brandon, Manitoba. That's if you think of uh, f- something that's flat. Manitoba is really flat, like okay. the prairies. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went to school initially there, and then we moved to Calgary which is uh, just close to the Rockies. Yep. And uh, so I did school and high school there. And then after grade 12, we moved to Vancouver. So we, uh, I started at UBC, University of British Columbia. So I did science and then medical school at UBC.
0: Okay. And then did you do a derm residency?
1: No, um, I, went, uh, I went to England to do an ophthalmology residency. Okay. At Moorfields Eye Hospital. I was actually first at the London Hospital getting known. And then I spent five very happy years at Moorfields Eye Hospital, which is an amazing place. So I learned so much there. So uh, I was, I'm actually an ophthalmologist who's really um, also feeling very, very fond of every dermatologist and plastic surgeon. I sort of, um, you know, blended all of this together.
0: You sure did. So let's see, you came back then to Vancouver, is that right?
1: Yes, we, um, Alistair, my husband Alistair is a dermatologist. He trained at St. John's Hospital for Diseases of the Skin in London. Mm -hmm. So we came back to Vancouver and um, we could have stayed in London, but we wanted to have a family. So that, it, it just would have been so much more difficult over there. Uh, so we had uh, three beautiful sons, and now we have four grandchildren uh, on That's top important. of the three sons. Congratulations. Three partners, yeah.
0: So you and your husband were partners then when you came and started your practice? Is that right? Or, or I know you're ophthalmology and he's dermatology. Uh, did you have the same office initially or not?
1: Not initially. Initially, we were still realizing that we were separate. Okay. Uh, then I um, I actually started to get interested in botulinum toxin. And at the same time, Alistair got interested in Mohs surgery, the Mohs micrographic surgery for the treatment of skin cancers. Sure. And it was a happy coincidence that he was accepted in 1982 for a fellowship at uh, the Pacific, I'm sorry, at at UCSF in San Francisco. And I was accepted at uh, the Pacific, the Smith Kettlewell Institute for Visual Sciences. And I worked with Alan Scott there. So that's how I got my early training in botulinum toxin is from the genius himself, Alan Scott.
0: And was that initially for blepharospasm as opposed to wrinkles?
1: No, uh, it was actually for strabismus. Strabismus, Alan, okay. Uh, Alan, I was also a strabismus surgeon. I was a strabismologist, if you want to call it that, uh, straightening up misaligned eyes. Uh huh. I had been fiddling with uh, adjustable suture surgery and. All kinds of different ways to straighten eyes and then alan came along with this idea that you could inject you could inject watch linum toxin into the one of the paired horizontal rectus muscles and it would weaken it and the other muscle would take up the slack uh-huh the eye straight and then fusion the ability to use the eyes together which is we all have or most of us have uh in our, our brains uh, well, then lock the eyes together again. It was brilliant. It was, it was such a clever idea. And, but how do you get the juice in there? Uh-huh. And that's where Alan's partner, uh, Art Jampolsky, came in because he designed an EMG machine. It's a little black box. It's not like those EMG machines that we know from neurology that are like Assyrian door gods. This is just a little portable guy Uh Uh, with a 25-gauge, one-and-a-half-inch needle, which was Teflon-coated. So you could put a few drops of local anesthetic in the conjunctiva and slide this needle into the motor end plate, which is an inch back. Uh So it takes good hands to do that kind of thing. Luckily, on the face, the motor end plates are everywhere.
0: Right. In, in the, the eye skulls, muscles. In the weird. muscles, right. Okay. So then h- how do we get from there, from strabismus? Stu- I have a hard time saying strabismus. Yeah. Strabismus. How do we get from there to wrinkles?
1: Well, it was, uh, you mentioned already uh, blepharospasm. Yeah. And these poor people in those days, the only prob- only help they had was various drugs and oral drugs, which really really uh, didn't help them um, cerebrally, uh, but did help with the spasm. And the other thing was surgery on the neck muscles. So okay. these people are sort of spasmed up and their eyes are closed. And uh, they are twenty-twenty vision, but they can't drive a car, they can't cross the street, they can't earn a living. And so Alan decided, it was his idea, that he would use some botulinum toxin on the orbicularis oculi. And that's a home run. Uh Suddenly, you've got people who are normal again they could drive a bus full of other people. And it lasted three, four months. It's like a miracle. And for quite a long time, patients were seeing each other on, you know, as, as they went through life, saying, I know what you've got, because that person didn't know what they had, and they didn't know something could be done about it. And these patients were going to tell them, you should go and see and tell, you know, whichever doctor in that city was uh, treating blepharospasm. So it was one of those patients. Now, usually when you treat a blepharospasm patient with botulinum toxin, they are so grateful. They are so polite. They're never late for an appointment. They're just amazingly, it just restores them to a normal life. So it's one of those patients who did a very unusual thing. She got angry at me. She said, you didn't treat me here, pointing to her medial brows. And I apologized to her and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't because I didn't think you were spasming there. And this is the immortal line. Oh, doctor, I know I'm not spasming there. But every time you treat me there, I get this beautiful untroubled expression. And so that's what I took home to dinner that night to Alistair. And remember, we've got three sons and all the chaos that comes with with young kids. And so I don't know if it really sank in that, uh, by then we were sharing an office. Uh, So then I showed him the next day. Now, we just happened to have the most lovely receptionist, Kathy Bickerton Swan, who had now seen for several years, all these patients of mine coming in, always grateful, Always a great result. Always everything safe, and so she had really good frown lines. We uh-huh. so said, Kathy, how would you like to have us treat your frown lines? And she said, Sure, whatever. She knew it was safe, uh-huh. and uh, they didn't really bother her. But she, you know, was a very positive person. And two days later, Alistair was a convert, and she's the lady who I mean, she, we've published her pictures, and uh, she still I uh, still communicate with her. Um, she's, um, not doing the the treatments now, but, uh, it was so wonderful to see with just one patient, you could see that something really, really worked instead of hundreds of patients.
0: And what year was that?
1: Uh, that was 19, uh, that was 1987.
0: And that was patient uh, number one for aesthetics.
1: Patient Number one. Yeah. Darn.
0: 1987. I have to make a note of that. That's crazy, okay, so now you and Auster see this, it's your employee, you see this miracle, mm-hmm. and then who did you tell next, or did you do treat some more of your patients and then tell or how did what happened next?
1: well this is this is lucky because they're both academics yes, we decided to do a proper uh, research study okay so informed consent and you know all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. and then there's the problem of recruiting patients.
0: Sure. To put poison in their face.
1: Yeah, these are really smart people. <laughs> uh, I had a terrible poison. I heard it's terrible poison. Why would you do that? So I said to Alistair, you know, I've got some really good frown lines. Treat me. So he treated me, and then we'd hear this, oh, no, I couldn't. It's a poison. And then I'd pull out the picture of my huge frown lines. Before, and I'd pull my bangs back and say, What do you think? And they'd say, Oh, do it. That was just like that. It was just instant. And I haven't frowned since
0: 1987. I bet. In the pursuit of beauty. That's right. So, uh, your first study had how many patients in it?
1: Only 18.
0: Okay. And you followed them for how long?
1: We followed them for about six months. And uh, we actually longer, a year, I'm sorry. And we had one patient who lasted about 11 months, but most people lasted around three, four months.
0: Did you find that most people came in every three months or would they go longer?
1: Well, we only treated them once and then followed them.
0: I beg your pardon. Okay. So then early on, well, you mentioned the... Uh, spasm patients coming in, I think you said about every three months by the clock as they were symptomatic. Did yeah. you find this early on? Did you find the same thing with the Botox for uh, wrinkles or would, it, would they last longer?
1: Well, I think that the spasm patients, it's, um, it, they probably last initially about three, four months. But as you keep on treating them, uh, they actually seem to get some biofeedback. And they last a little bit longer, maybe, with the bilateral blepharospasms, maybe four or five months. Okay. There's a different story with the uni, 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 um, unilateral people, the hemifacial spasm, because you can't really treat them a full treatment on the spasming side because you just wipe that out, and then this side looks, they look too asymmetric.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: you have to undertreat them, and then treat them more often. In order to give them a nice balanced look.
0: I see. Okay, so then you're doing the aesthetic patients, you put those people in, and then you report your study 11 months out, and you you gave them one shot, uh, one treatment. And then how how did the community react, The, the large medical community, not just derms or ophthalmology, but just uh, the whole medical community because it, it sounds kind of crazy here. You're going to put poison that causes lockjaw in, into people's faces in the pursuit of beauty. So mm-hmm. on its surface, it sounds kind of crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: That's exactly, exactly how it sounded to them.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, then when we gave, well, I actually gave the first paper in, um, in uh, at the ASDS meeting, American society for derm surgery meeting in Florida. And it, um, there was a deadly silence in the room. Normally, there's a buzz. Uh Deadly silence. That was the first time I experienced that. And then people came up to me afterwards and said, that's a crazy idea that will go (laughs) nowhere. And then...
0: (laughs) I love it.
1: How could you use something like that poison on something so frivolous as wrinkles? You know, dismay, um, disgust, anger. You know, but you realize they're only saying that because they don't understand. Right. They haven't sort of absorbed it yet. So that is a big stimulus. So that's why we got really busy. And in the, um, in the 90s and, uh, and early 2000s, two- well, we still are doing it, still educating people. It's a question of educating people who understand and then sitting back in amazement, seeing that what they're doing with it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you're learning from them as well. It's, it, and it's opened up this amazing channel of communication between, as you were saying before, dermatology, plastics, ophthalmology, ENT, facial plastics, um, neurology, uh, you name it. Physio- GI, yes. neurology,
0: all the therapeutic uses, neurology, neurosurgery. It's absolutely right. amazing. It's a new
1: community. It's a worldwide community because of this amazing molecule.
0: Amazing. Well, um, what do you think about these new toxins we keep hearing about with longer duration? How do you think that's going to affect the market?
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. First of all, um, I think that, We've already seen with the recent high-dose studies for yes. Onabot, uh, Ababot, and Inco, we've seen that by reducing the volume of diluent to mm-hmm. half, you can double the length of time that the neuromodulator lasts. So the registration dose, say, of 20 units of Onabot, will last twice as long.
0: By so, making it more concentrate.
1: Yes. It's Less dilute. Yes. Uh, for um, Speaking about Abobot, John Joseph calls it Big Dog on a Short Leash. <laughs>
0: uh, John's in this community. I know him very well. In fact, he's operated in my operating room in Marina uh, oh. del Rey. I know him very well. I've never heard him call it Big Dog on a Short Leash, yeah. but I can hear him saying that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, so I think we have to realize we already have three very long-acting Neuromodulators, if they're if they're used the proper way, by reducing, not necessarily increasing the dosage, but reducing the diluent, I, that is an absolutely amazing thing, and we saw that with all three of those A neuromodulators. So now we look at the new kid on the block, Daxi, mm-hmm. and Daxi is not yet approved. I've been in contact with Revant saying hi, have you been approved yet? And the answer is, we're not telling you, we don't know. Uh, but I think that I did actually communicate with them and suggest that they did um, a high-dose study themselves. And they said to me, well, that's a really good idea, but John have already suggested that. <laughs> so I think that there's um, a real new understanding. This is why I think we're still... We're learning so much about this amazing molecule because what's in the syringe, it's not just the neuromodulator, it's the saline. Mm-hmm. And so we can adjust the effect not only by increasing or decreasing the dosage, but we can adjust it by increasing or decreasing the diluent.
0: Okay. And isn't there also a peptide in the Daxi? In
1: the Daxi, is yes. Is that an
0: active peptide or is that just a byproduct of the production?
1: Oh, um, it's a Does that... Really-
0: is that what accounts for the longer duration?
1: That's what they say, that it, it actually is uh, creating uh, a climate where the molecule, I don't think it diffuses as much. It it's makes it a more focused, a more focused uh, treatment.
0: If one were to take a typical uh, Botox, an Allergan Botox bottle of 100 units, what would one dilute it with in order to have the longer duration that you're t- referring to? How many species uh, of saline, say?
1: Yeah, so Sue Ellen Cox was the lead author on the study.
0: Okay.
1: And she went from two and a half down to 1.25 cc's. Okay. Uh, in in
0: the vial. And that doubled the duration?
1: And that doubled the duration.
0: I'll be darn. So just the dilutant. So that's uh, more concentrated than I imagine. Are you are you putting in as much in every spot or are you putting in less because the the uh, the dose is higher? Per say cc or tenth of a cc.
1: Yeah, you're putting in less volume in each place. Right. But you're putting in the same dose.
0: Oh, you are. Okay, same same number of units.
1: Yes, same number of units, exactly. And, uh, but half the diluent.
0: I'll be darned. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean,
1: who ever thought that would (laughs) happen? Exactly. I think it happened because of COVID and as a secondary effect of COVID because uh, revants were all set to get their approval November 25th last year, if you remember. I do. And everyone was waiting with bated breath and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And I I don't know when, and I think the problem was because of COVID that the FDA wasn't able to come and inspect them. So I'm hoping that that is over now that we're, seeing the american people so beautifully vaccinated and uh, i'm hoping that we see that soon but that was the stimulus it gave that gap gave the other companies time uh-huh. to do um, a high dose study
0: so what do you see in the future then uh as we compare and contrast daxy with the other uh, available uh toxins neurotoxins do you think that uh, Daxi will have any impact uh, with its perceived longer duration? Or do you think that the Botox, Xeum, and Desport, are, that they will go the other direction and, and have different dilutants uh, or concentrations? What do you think the future holds?
1: I think that this is a really fertile place uh, for us to really in, in, investigate. For example, there's uh, men. Now, men, men like to have some, a treatment that lasts at least six months. I've observed in in my office. Uh, Men are like, you know, I'm busy. Don't make me wait in your You know what I'm saying? Uh, And uh, so I think that there's a huge market that's untapped. Men are, I think it's, there's 4.7 million men in Canada who are potentially interested in uh, neuromodulator. Uh And so you've got to gross that up by 10 times. In the United States, because your population is ten times, okay. 10 so that's a huge marketing opportunity. If you yeah. could, if you could say to men, "We have a neuromodulator. We'll give you a very elegant, refined result. You will look natural. You will look um, very, you will look very handsome with this, and it will last you a good six months, maybe seven. Uh, I think you'd have men signing up for that kind of thing. Okay. Now, if you've got somebody who um, has, um, okay, um, it, it, let's look at the other end of the market. Let's look at E, botulinum toxin E, which comes on in 24 to 48 hours in the last two weeks. Right. Well, there's no high-dose study being done on that yet, or low-volume study done on that yet. Uh-huh. So maybe you could get, you could adjust the length of time that the short-acting toxin works. Maybe you've got, you're in um, the Los Angeles area, maybe you've got an actor or actress who has a particular role and they have to change appearance during the role. That would be perfect for E. Mm-hmm. Just looking oh. at that. Now, what about the regular uh, the regular people out there? Uh, they're happy with somewhere around four to six months, I think. Uh-huh. Because... They also get fillers.
0: Yes. It's ideal duration, right?
1: Ideal. So if you could just make the neuromodulator last even another month, you know, it would sort of jive with the filler and how long it lasts. Uh And probably jive also with having um, other energy-based device treatments, um, and I, I think it's, um, I think there's just so much new research that needs to be done. So I see the future right now as being uh, really full of tons of research projects for everybody answering specific questions about particular unmet needs. Yes. There has to be something about the way the neuromodulators we have to date have not lasted longer than four months. That has to be part of the reason that men are saying, nah, I will, I'll just won't I won't do it. So yeah, I mean, I'm men are bigger
0: babies, and we don't like to have sharp things in our face and needles <laughs> stuck into us. And, and and with women, beauty knows no pain. But with <laughs> us scaredy cats like myself included, I just you come at me with a needle and I get jumpy. So I mean, if you could give it to me once a year, I'd take it. There you go. <laughs>
1: There you go. Fantastic. Yeah. But the the other thing that's happening, I think, more of the future, is I think we're going to see continued hybrid working. So that Zoom, it's Zoom or Doom. And if you look at what's happened to all of us in the last 15 months, we've got very used to using Zoom to do consults with our patients, to do meetings like this. Uh, um, academic meetings like this to do um, to have discussion groups Um, so then Stanford did the research and showed that 40% of the time when we're on a zoom call we're looking at ourselves
0: is that right 40% of the time,
1: 40% of the time, which is one of the reasons that zoom has been so good for cosmetic businesses.
0: Absolutely. We talked about that earlier today when I was taping and uh, men in particular, let's pick on men a little bit. You know, men typically historically pre COVID would brush their teeth and shave in the mirror. So that was like five to 10 minutes a day. And Mm -hmm. now in this zoom uh, era, Men are staring at themselves. I didn't know 40% of the time, but they're calling me and talking about their their, their waddle here, their turkey deformity, their eye bags, their skin. And uh, my business has exploded with male facial plastic surgery and uh, non-surgicals especially. And it's thanks to Zoom and yeah. Zoom Lift and all the other things we talk about, the tech neck and all these crazy things that are going on post-COVID and in the Zoom era. So I completely agree with you. It's fertile ground for sure. Yeah. Um, now let me check. The, so I know you have a hard stop coming up. And first, of, first off, I want to thank you so much, Gene, for get, coming on to the Technology of Beauty. It is such an honor and such a privilege to have you uh, on the program. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> is there anything else you would like to tell your adoring fans before we bid farewell? Well,
1: I'd just like to get you to say a very big hi to everyone.
0: Okay. And
1: I hope that I get to see both of you again very soon. And congratulations to you for this wonderful podcast.
0: Thank just you so a- much. It's a ton of fun. If you think of people who should be on or suggestions for me, I'm open to all, any and all suggestions. It's an absolute blast to, to do it and get to know people better and put people together, industry, uh, professionals like, like yourself, and even finance, and put people together. And I can't wait to see you and give you a hug. Uh, <laughs> tell your husband hello from Granto. And Aaron, and uh, have a lovely weekend, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thank you so much. Okay, be well.
0: You're welcome. And I'd like to thank all of you for joining us on this very exciting episode of The Technology of Beauty, where we had the opportunity to get to know Gene Carruthers. That's Dr. Gene Carruthers. And I look forward to seeing you each and every Tuesday on The Technology of Beauty. Stay well.